You're in tune to the Fusebox Radio Broadcast. Uh, turn the music up inside my session. These folks gotta hear my message. Bringing balanced black radio to the masses. Socialistic and eccentric Bodies healthy, mind is wealthy Plus they flow that will propel me To be a native, get creative Original and designative Listen to the line that's playing Listen hard to what Q's saying Politicians are magicians Make your vote, they hope they're wishing Ambiguous words, senseless verbs They all amount to crap that's heard Violent hip-hop, money flip-flops Promoters won't book, but it still rocks I'm a Zulu, yes a true blue Red alert is with the poo-poo Ozone layer, loses flavor Here's the edge that you will savor Banana, I ain't a primate, ain't no soul glow, just an afro. The head is bred to let the thoughts grow. Quest together to lands of never. Sleep in snow and storms can't sever. Tribe is growing, never knowing. For this time, six next me showing. Dialogues have been accepted, negatives have been rejected. Blasting music, Negro music is here for all, so you must choose it. Horny's fondle, watch it throttle. Three, six, five, straight out the bottle. Bussing caps, finger snaps. I prefer the second for ghetto traps. Wife Jerobi, Ali told me, get the force like Juan Kenobi. Force is teaching, beats are screeching. Poly plateaus, we aim for reaching. Tribalization, freaks the nation. A mass of peers in celebration. Hope's been real high since the knee high. Days of youth, feeling good and real spry. Avid combos, hear those bongos? Boom, kakaboom, that's how they go. We ain't nomads, but we real glad. Hip hop slams through the 90s, no fat. As a rhythm, have been given. Hurry up, become we breaking out. Out. The rhythmic instinction to be able to travel beyond existing forces of life. Basically, that's tribal. And if you want to get the rhythm, then you have to join a tribe. Word. Peace. All right. 
right, everybody, one, two, one, two, what's going on? You are now in tune to the syndicated worldwide Fuse Box Radio broadcast, bringing y'all the Balanced Black Radio since 1998 with a mix of music, commentary, and interviews representing the international black diaspora from myself and my co-host, who are two chilling um, black Americans who looked at this show when we first got it together and were like, yo, there's so many viewpoints you don't ever get to hear in terms of how we want to go ahead and represent and it's not just one hardcore extreme or the other and with that particular mindset we've gotten back in 2016 to doing a few more political interviews particularly with the insanity which is the nicest terminology i can use right now for the um, mainstream presidential candidate cycle that's happening we still have a while to go um before that ends and people who have been listening lately have heard us talk to folks from everything from the Workers World Party to the Socialist Party USA um, to a few independents. And now we are able to happily represent with the Green Party and the USA Green Party's presidential candidate. And we have been on the line beforehand before we've done this interview. So I'm going to try to pronounce this name properly. <laughs> And all apologies in advance in case I sl- slip up. Um, Sidanon Kinamo Christian Moyoafisa Curry. Good try, Sister Mary. Uh, I know I slipped up in one part. I call, as they say in Ghana, you've tried. Alrighty, alrighty. The Sidanon. That's fine. Sidanon. Alrighty. I was like, let, we had to try to get this through at least one time and uh, get that done. <laughs> Now, thank you very much for taking out time with us this evening to do this interview. We definitely really appreciate it. And um, one of the things I always ask everybody, um, especially with these type of interviews, is what made you decide to become politically active at large and with that politically active with the Green Party? Mine is a very, as a black person in the world, it's very simple. Without political involvement, our situation and struggle in the diaspora worldwide won't change. Outside of Africa, there's blacks in Brazil and then us. Because we're a part of this um, crazy capitalist system, it's critically important that we ramp it up here because we can. Everyone else around the world, black, don't have the chances that we have to amplify our voices and our struggles worldwide. So I was born into a Pan-African family. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing but being civically, politically, spiritually involved from birth. Uh, I'm one of 20 children of my father, and I'm number 16 at the bottom. So their routine of being active and thinking and planning and creating change, that was already in place. So Mm -hmm. I arrived to meet it. So I knew I would be running for president of the U.S. since I was three years old. I think they whispered it into my womb and my ears every day. So I, this is something I knew I was going to do since I was age three. Green Party. Mm-hmm. I was one of those disillusioned black folks, even though, you know, I have a degree in black studies. I was clearly aware of the um, ignorance that our nation has peated out on folks of color and immigrants, you know, for over 200 and something years. But mm-hmm. I had the illusion of Hope uh, that Al Gore, because he cared about the environment, which is near and dear to my heart, would do something about climate change. My parents had been active with Ralph Nader and the Green Party 
for years when I had given money, my brother-in-laws, I have 10 brothers and 10 sisters, so they all married other folks. So they became, you know, extensions of my brothers and sisters. So I had uh, brother-in-laws who were active in the reggae movement, consumer, every, you know, from that wide of range of black folks. I had Jews, co African cosmologists, Islamists, Christian, everyone. So I arrived, you know, uh, in, I think that was 2000 that Gore ran. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is the last time I'm going to give the corporate parties because you earlier you said mainstream, and in fact, they're not mainstream. The majority of Americans don't even support or care about the two corporate-funded parties. So I was going to give the Democratic Party one last chance with Al Gore to do it right, and he, as you know, failed black voters in Florida. Mm -hmm. On top of that, he failed our nation, and he failed the planet. I happen to be living in Accra, Ghana. I've been there since 1988. Okay. And I, you know, I'm from a spiritual background, so I don't go out late at night to hotels alone. So after faking out several brothers that weren't going to get none for about a week, doing mm -hmm. <laughs> the debacle, I had to look at myself in the mirror. I was 40 years old, mm -hmm. of course, educated, world traveled, all of that good stuff. How come Al Gore, outside of not being, you know, black and representing Europe, could not feel what I was feeling? Because Ghana is eight hours ahead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm up early in the morning listening to what's going on, you know, in the U.S., talking big time, calling people, trying to make it happen because I could see that what folks couldn't see because I was outside. I knew those uh, Europeans that showed up in Florida were from New York because of their haircuts and their short sleeves. Mm -hmm. Nobody was listening because they were too caught up in the fray when I was calling back to the black folk. I knew who could make a difference. So this is it. I looked at myself in the mirror and said, what is the difference beside the obvious between Al Gore and me? And mm -hmm. it came here. Corporate funding, patriarchy, and lack of commitment to a better world. Mm -hmm. So, so I've been exposed to too many things not to know what I needed to do. And I made a commitment to disengage with the corrupt Democratic Party and join a party that cared about the environment, that did not take corporate funds, and when it was not patriarchy. And the party I knew was the Green Party. But I held my breath and blew it out saying, oh, my God, these are some crazy Europeans that I, I have to work to get them to understand that they could never win the White House without folks of color and immigrants mm -hmm. in a big way. So that's mm -hmm. been my life work with the Green Party for the last 14 years. That's what made me get involved as a Green. And um, I knew because of my, uh, I'm a strategist, I do strategic and tactical planning, mm -hmm. that it, it would be up to me and folks that thought like me to create a path of leadership for folks of color. So that's what I did in 2008. I was not truly committed to being the vice presidential uh, person, but I knew by me running and supporting the other candidates, I would meet the folks in the Green Party who cared mm -hmm. to make it brown and black. Because we all know by the end of this century, our nation will be a brown one. So yes. I did my 2008 run and continuing that with this run. All right. Definitely so good summation. 
and um, interesting history going on um, right there. Um, it's funny that you mentioned um, the Gore time frame of the presidential elections because that's yeah. actually the first time I was able ever able to vote when I was in college. Wow. So the Bush Gore um, shenanigans Woo. was my introduction to our own political system, which was like, ah, this is really cute. I wake up in the morning and they're like, we don't know who the hell the president is. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> who the president is because when i was going to bed after writing a paper y'all said it was projected to be gordon you know that was a part of my path in terms of becoming um registered with a um third party my son so that's a little bit of my um personal story on um that end now you mentioned that you are a strategist and even the way you talked about getting involved with the green party this sounds like i'm gonna go into this system i'm gonna see how it flows and functions even the right people and find a way to come up and um, take over and make those moves. Now, with your campaign platform, this definitely makes me curious because I, I like the idea of you talking about, well, I got to strategize and I already know how to do stuff on a ground level and to build things up. Now, for yourself, um, if you can give a quick summation um, to us, because I know from our email discussions, you have a um, platform of five main things that you would... Um, like to go ahead and attack, correct, and dismantle, I guess, are the best ways I can um, say certain things. Um, let's um, get into that a little bit, because I think with a lot of folks, when they look at third parties at large, they, because they don't see folks like you, because I'm looking at all of our debates, I'm like, I want to hear somebody like you on debate, because that would actually make me watch it, instead of a bunch <laughs> of crazy people chilling in suits and you know, being stiff and looking like they're reading off a of cue cards all day if they're not like Donald Trump, who's just completely crazy. Nuts. Now, <laughs> co completely nuts, completely crazy. And um, I think a lot of people just don't necessarily hear about third parties due to the way our corporate um, media structure is in terms of putting out various um, <clears throat> viewpoints. Now, I think first and foremost, because some people don't know how the system goes, why can't I see you on this debate stage? Is that, that, is that pretty much because of the monetary situations? Uh, a little history. Mm -hmm. the, it was called the League of Women Voters. They used to run the presidential debate. They succumbed to some pressures from the two corporate parties and relinquished the debate. So now it's in the hands of the Democratic and Republican Party. They play a game with each other about rules and regulations. They have ensured that anyone outside of their two corporate-funded parties don't have a seat at the table. It's really not difficult to change that. It's just American people demanding that they allow all presidential candidates who have you know, secured the presidential nomination to be at the table. It's not difficult. Just a little history. I remember seeing Lenora Fulani on the debates, and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? I do not, unfortunately, no. Okay, no problem. So it's really that simple. It's up to us as Americans to demand that every voice be included. There's a current lawsuit that our party, the Green Party, and several other nominees from 2012 are suing. I'm agitating that all candidates right now, since we don't have a nominee, mm -hmm. <laughs> be included in that lawsuit. So we're doing some research. Got a lawyer who's committed to help 
myself, the other four Green Party members who, who are seeking president, the same status, also be included. So you ask about, so that's the reason why we're not there. Plus, we don't, we don't, we, we don't, I don't think the majority of people understand, the third parties, that we must do a unity mm -hmm. effect to get things done. I have reached out, I uh, was in a debate, a debate, a presidential debate in Lake Charles a few months ago and met uh, Lynn, Dr. Lynn Kahn, who's a woman running for president, Rick Smith, and Ken, he's with the Libertarians, and Ken, I'm sorry, Chris Kensington, who's with the Veteran Party. Mm -hmm. We've all agreed to join together to build a nation, because it's never been a great nation, because as you know, we're both black, it was founded on our backs, so let's get real here. Yeah. Majority, majority of our history has not been sweet for a black American yeah, at so all. I, I can't say that. Let's make America great because it hasn't been great. We're on occupied land. So let's get real. Mm -hmm. Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, so moving forward, we're going to have a debate of, I think there might be seven independent presidential and third party candidates in May. I'm agitating for, this is the largest number of women, I don't know if you know, uh, Mary, that's ever sought the, the uh, POTUS nomination from their party. Myself, mm. you mentioned the Workers' Party, Monica. Yes, Monica we just interviewed Moorhead. her about a week or two ago. Shout out to her. Monica Moorhead, Gloria LaRiva, Dr. Lynn Kahn, and myself, and then Dr. Jill Stein, There's and Hillary Clinton. There's six women solidly seeking to, to be the next president. So I'm seeking to have us all have a debate, and you will clearly see the difference between the six of us, you know? Mm -hmm. And the, the level of discussion would raise beyond the muckraking that's been going on and the craziness that you, you talked about earlier. Indeed, indeed, because, yeah, I've, I don't even watch debates anymore, like live. Yeah. I, I, I can't do it. I'll just catch up on my Netflix and stuff because I'm not hearing anything new and, again, all the yelling and craziness is yeah, insanity and um i sit back and i ask these questions because i sit back and i've been doing a lot of research with um parties i'm familiar with the parties that i'm not of different political persuasions when doing this some um, getting these for this interview series and i'm like okay. damn there should be a reason that seems even remotely legit even though from your explanation and just other things generally we know it's not where it's like why don't I hear about some of these platforms? Because these platforms, at least to me, sound pretty sweet. I mean, people can get into the, the nitty gritty in terms of how they're going to be executed. But like, I look at um, a part of your platform, for example, and as a black American, I'm like, this ending white privilege, supremacy, and ending patriarchal system of control thing sounds pretty sweet. Why can't I hear that on, you know, a mainstream outlet where we obviously have problems that have stemmed from this mentality and are still growing um from with that now um i'm going to hop over a little uh, hop uh, back and forth between a few okay, of the, on the platform and um then have you get into a, a bit of detail um with each um first off um i see one part of your platform is increasing global cooperations and grassroots community um, by joining the Universal Africa People Organization five-year plan for proportional representation. Now, yeah. for those who are not familiar with that, what is that? Because, I mean, it's like global cooperation sounds cool. 
grassroots democracy sounds cool some people who may be of other ethnic background might be like wait a second what's this universal africa people organization thing what what is that you know because some people get a little scary about things they got to get over it everybody's black let's just get real real here all right everybody's from africa so they can say scary I'm 54 years old. I've lived in Ghana for 27 years. Mm-hmm. When you walk around that nation, especially as a black person, no matter what part of the diaspora, you know we from there and everybody else from there too. That's just reality. You know, we have to deconstruct words like whiteness. There's no white land. There's no white race. There's only one race and it's human. So these myths have to be deconstructed. That's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll jump back to the doctrine of discovery. Mm-hmm. The doctrine of discovery. No, let me just say, focus on what you asked me. The Universal People's Party, this organization has been around, very Pan-African, do a lot of grassroots work in building up the black diaspora. What they're saying is very simple. If we are this number, 12% of the U.S. population, we need to have 12% of folks in elected and appointed office. It's that simple. There's oh there's not even there's one black governor of the whole of the U.S. There's how many mayors, how many senators? We are not clearly represented within this current crazy cycle. So just doing something like that, where all the folks that they would support agree on 21 things to help Black Americans and the diaspora move forward as a national force for their betterment. That's done for other ethnic groups. We mm-hmm. know that. So it's, we don't have to agree on everything as black people, but there's some stuff that we all face. What was his name? The, uh, uh, he had a beer summit at the White House. Their Gates. Um, yeah, but, um, Henry Louis Gates, Dr. Henry Louis Gates. Yeah, yeah. So every, no matter where you, you, who you are, if you're black, you're gonna deal with some stuff. So let's let's agree on something and just go on and move forward over the next X number of years. So they can look them up. They have a website that they can research them. They're going to be hosting a, a black presidential debate in June. I think it's the first week in St. Louis. They have been very active in supporting the struggle, the beautiful struggle that took place in St. Louis. So the folks can look them up, UAPO. The Ruti is the organ lead. They've, they've been doing great work for many years. All righty. And um, since you were mentioned the Doctrine of Discovery, which somehow through our Skype connection, you are reading my mind. Uh-huh. Um, let's um, get into um, that aspect. And I'm just going to read this off the um, campaign platform. Overcoming the Doctrine of Discovery, which has been used to support decisions and validating or ignoring aboriginal possession of land in favor of colonial or post-colonial governments. Great. Yes, the doctrine of discovery is the basis of whiteness worldwide. 526 years ago, European monarchs, there are only 15 tribes of Europe, the Germans, the Swedes, the, um, all of them. There <laughs> are 15 tribes. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes from a tribal background. So these tribes, their monarchs, their kings and queens, got together and made a commitment that they would not fight each other once they ran into each other, taking over, rape, and pillaging the world. So everything that has to do with whiteness is a result of this doctrine. Everything. The privilege, the supremacy, even people calling themselves white. White is an 
absence of color. Mm-hmm. I just always found that weird as a child. Well, why would they want to be white? Ain't nothing there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> but again, you see how people can construct things like race. Mm-hmm. Just one race, human. Most everybody from the black continent. Ain't no whiteness. Our, in our party in Maine, the whitest, you know, if you want to use the word, the, the most European place in America, they came up with questions, like 30 questions, examining their whiteness. Mm. So that, like, you and I say black for some clear reasons. For me, it's my commitment to the first people of the world to liberate all of us from ignorance, stupidity, and craziness. So we reconnect with authentic self. And it's my commitment. So if your whiteness means all these negative things, you need to take it off because it's killing our planet. All that craziness is a part of capitalism and craziness that's helping kill our mother, the earth. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, I look at the, that terminology and one of the first things I thought it was like a manifest destiny type of thing. Where... But it, it see, that, that was pre-manifest destiny. Mm-hmm. The Berlin Conference that took place where they met America and they carved up Africa. In German, they are met. There's probably 15 meetings that have the same line with Europeans deconstructing the world to their likeness. And it has affected everything on our planet. It's just dangerous. Very dangerous. Do you know that European women are less than 2% of the whole child-birthing folks on the planet? They are a minority, an Mm -hmm. ethnic minority. But when you look at television or you read things, you think these folks are everywhere. They are less than 2%. This is dangerous that they've displaced themselves as like the super people and they're less than 2%. And the sperm count for for their men are going is low because of uh, climate change and global warming. Indeed, indeed. And we can get right into... um this next portion um and one of the things i have noted with quite a few of the um third party candidates i've interviewed is we think that capitalism sucks there is a huge beef with the concept of capitalism and how it has been executed and um it seems to be an ongoing theme and one of the things i want to get into from your viewpoint is why capitalism is not a great thing, but let me go through and I'm read the platform part here. Um, okay. Dismantling yeah. and ending capitalism and its unrelenting result on Mother Earth in the name of profit. We support the green economy path to community ownership in all basic essentials. Now, besides um, breaking down just why capitalism, because I think we have a weird thing in our country where it's like capitalism is wonderful it's king and anything else with other ism is the most horrible thing on earth and is made by satan or whatever other thing you think is evil depending on your viewpoint um what also on top of why capitalism is bad is what is the green economy path because this is the first time i ever ran into that particular um terminology okay two things capitalism is barbaric it feeds off of supply and demand In our green economy, every basic need you have as a human being, water, soil, power, housing, health, must be provided. Everyone needs a basic income so that you can live with decency as a human being. There's no need any longer 
for us to have poor people. I'm a socialist. I don't believe that our country understands that poverty in itself is an indictment on capitalism. Capitalism, what is so basically wrong and unethical. You have this many rich people and you have this many people with nothing. Is that going to ever work to, to be okay? No. We need a basic, basic, every human being. There's the Millennium Goals that the UN put out, and it's just this simple. Everyone needs basic rights and basic things guaranteed. As I said earlier, capitalism is not structured to provide that. How many empty homes are there in the U.S. right now? Owned by banks. Quite a few. So how many folk without a place to live? Also the same. Yeah, so in socialism, that would not occur. There would never be any block in feeling basic needs. No one says, you know, you ain't making no money, you ain't working, you need to go live in Beverly Hills in that empty house. But there has to be a standard and a quality of life for every human being to have a level of involvement, healthy involvement. For example, I just read something on the Internet, but I know people like this. Two little children, their mother is working full-time, drop at the grandmother, got to get up by 4 o'clock to drop them off because she got to go to work. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And the uncle got to pick him up. I I mean, I remember doing stuff like that with my family. If they Mm -hmm. just had a stable house, a, a, a guaranteed basic living wage, no one would have to make our children at risk. And that's what capitalism has done. It's put our whole society with this, as you read about impacting the earth. American corporations, uh, people should stop being mad at China. Those are American corporations who have taken good paying jobs and paying Chinese people less. They should be mad at American multinational companies that have taken good paying jobs to pay and, and harm other workers around the world. That's capitalism. You do whatever you can to make the most profit. You don't care about the people, the planet, only profit. That's sick. It's sick. Mm-hmm. I was, did, I, did I answer your part of the, that part of the question? And then the green economy. Well, the mm, green yes. economy is re-looking at, our party hasn't done a great job on this, uh, like laying out our four pillars in a way that people can practically understand each of them. And our campaign is doing just that. We're saying a green path. That means doing a critical analysis of how much sustainable energy we need over the next X number of years so we can keep fossil fuel in the ground, that we don't need to have nuclear, that we Mm -hmm. don't need to bring anything from outside here, that we employ Americans. Here at home first. Mm-hmm. We are, again, as I mentioned, our party has to get better. Our campaign is doing that. So in the first 100 days of our administration, we would conduct what's called America at 300. No one, no president has ever asked every American what it is they want to see, short-term, long-term, for our nation. We're going to be 300 in less than 60 years. It's time that we understand that we are all here together and everyone's voice must be heard. We have to, we have to engage with each other to understand that we gotta get it right. 
because it is, we know it's not right. So our campaign is pushing that. I don't know if that if that's the America at 300 is on your list, but it's important that we all realize who we are, where we want to go, and how we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And that takes an orchestrated effort. And as president, I would do that. All right. And, yeah, if I was definitely curious about the green economy, Pepka, I'm just there like, that sounds like something again that people should be able to hear and be like, I want to at least consider that, you know, because yes. I understand that a lot of us, um, we, a lot of us have grown up in the same society and there's certain things you had to get a chance to let go of to try to progress as an individual and as a community. But if you don't necessarily know what that is, where can you go? You know, so right. that's definitely, um, cool. Um, all this kind of ties into the, um, other two pillars here, which was uh, what we talked about earlier, the ending white privilege and supremacy and patriarchal systems of control and focusing on children and youth. Actually, all of these are kind of interlocked, I think. But um, with these um, last two, um, our audience pretty damn well knows about us not being beat for white privilege and supremacy and uh, various forms of um, patriarchy. But for those who may not be familiar in terms of the terminology of patriarchal systems of control, um, would you like to give a few examples of that and how I think ending all that ties into the other part of focusing on um, the children and the youth? Because as stereotypical as the cliche saying goes, you know, they're the future. We're not going to be around here forever. Even if we make some progress right now, we're still going to have them be able to continue to make said progress. No issue at all. Patriarchy is very simple male dominance. Men have not done a great job of managing our world. That's why we're in a mess. Women generally, we do, not all women, but women generally, if given, no, let me use this I learned in Ghana. There's a a doctor. He said in Ghana, if you educate a woman, you educate the whole village. If you educate a man, you educate him. Given our socialization as women, we're more apt to share. (laughs) generally speaking so ending patriarchy would mean that we would be in a more socialistic understanding because the female energy that we typically carry if we're not hurt abused and messed up is about communal understanding look at what I said I can say Gloria Lariva Dr. Lynn Kahn Dr. Monica Moorhead Dr. Jill Stein because I'm not afraid and I don't see them as competitors. These are all women seeking to lead our nation. Mm-hmm. Patriarchy and women who have that line would only say their name. They wouldn't mention other candidates. It's a new way of approaching everything. It's not us against them. It's we. We got to get it together. And if that means acknowledging that I'm not the only one other only female running, so be it. I'll do that. I would do that. The second thing you talked about, which is for me, is the most important, because the most favorite title I carry is aunt. Hmm. I'm an aunt. And the impetus for me running has to do with what got me to run. See Shirley Chisholm, my mother, giving me an Angela Davis poster, looking at Lenora Fulani, seeing Carol Mosley Braun helping to ensure that Cynthia McKinney ran as our presidential candidate. That was this sister from South Central Los Angeles who didn't put her there, me. 
So that I have to honor and respect women in my life and ensure that women get up and move on and lead. So this is about children. If every girl child knew the lessons you and I, Mary, and our mothers knew, they would not they would be leaping by age ten into the higher places they need to be. So having children benefit and know their strength is critically important for me and our campaign. If we ensure that our children were better, we wouldn't have to worry about the future. It's really that simple. Let's help them secure their strength. Two questions. What do you want to accomplish before you die? And what's preventing you from doing that? Those questions were asked of me. Uncle Lewis, my educational psychologist, one of the most educated people in my family. Whoa, that hit me. How many children get asked those questions early? Mm-hmm. We've got to get children to know what they are here for, how they get it done, and how we can support them doing that. All right. And uh, with all of that, are there any um, particular, um, I guess, initiatives one would be looking forward to do in terms of education and um, things of that sort? Um, yes. Every child should be able, every child in my administration will be guaranteed free education up to the Ph.D. level. If our country, we must invest in us. We must invest in us. No one should be burdened with a student loan. No one. Mm-hmm. If you look at other developed societies, education and children are the, the way, is how they spend their money, not on warfare and craziness. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. So that, those are just given. Those are real. And look at the, the mounting debt students face. Hell, I'm still fighting my student loan stuff trying to get it straight. Yeah, I, I just kicked Sally May off my back not too long ago, oh, so, yeah. I, so I understand. <laughs> you know, that was like, bye, boot. So. I have a couple of degrees, so it wasn't just one. But mm-hmm. I, I am proud to say that I'm a graduate of state college. All so right. Help me ensure my success in terms of my intellectual capacity and my ability to lead. So I, I don't regret ever going to college. And want to go come back again when I'm 60 to do uh, undergraduate in physics. That that's really what I wanted to do. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. And speaking of um the of that aspect of education, because um again everybody I know on some level had to deal with the evils of Miss Sally May and her um government jackbooted thugs and um, <laughs> what have you. Um yeah. When when you see that thing go down bit by bit, you just there like. I don't want to deal with you ever again. I'll be getting more education, but I don't want to deal with that ever again if I can avoid it. Um, how do you feel about the the way they're trying to do things right now in terms of lower education and then particularly with charter schools? Because the charter school situation where I am currently residing in the D.C. metro area is unique, to say the least. And in my other home state of New Jersey, it's even more unique and has to see how it is in other places. And... In all honesty, this is my particular viewpoint. I can't say this is that way for our um, fellow broadcast people or whatever. Um, parts of it seem really scammy to me while not necessarily helping out children, which doesn't mean, of course, there aren't some institutions where they have improved, but it just seems to be a really weird inside thing with the corporatization 
of um, education. Yes, you, you said it all. I, I'm a Head Start baby. I'm a public school person. I went to a state college. So I'm for public education. We just have to inspire and ensure that people want to work and be and pay them well. I, I am truly a benefactor of public education, low cost and free. So that's what I, I would push. I read a survey, a study last year that talked about there's no significant difference across the board in the United States with, between charter and public. Public school has a longer run, so that, that was a little iffy for me, but I believe if we really get it right, because there's some best practices in education that have worked, we just need to get it right. Children are not a priority in our culture. In, in America, war and profits are. So when we look at the mission statement of the Department of Education, when we look at the mission statement of every one of these things, we have to fo focus it on children and building a future. Uh, I, the Dr. Lynn Kahn, the way I met her, well, she was talking about re-examining the mission statement of the DOJ and making sure the budget lines up. When I saw that punishment and all this other negative things were a part of rehabilitation, which means it won't be rehabilitated, it made me start looking at every governmental agency. That's why that America at 300 survey is really important because we weren't a part of crafting our government and mm -hmm. what the goals, aims, and objectives are. So we are so disconnected to how our government works, and that's why there's so much fraud and waste within our system. So some of those right-wing people, they got it right. They just got it wrong on how to save it and change it and impact it. Don't tear it down. Do a relook reinvent and do best practices so, and then refocus on children and our future indeed indeed and speaking of children in our future and us being remotely around to help and um assist them um for those who are international listeners or whatever y'all see that we're going through the process of trying to make our healthcare system better and um what have you but it still is not like in other various countries in terms of you're a citizen, you get coverage, and we don't got to deal with a whole bunch of nonsense and um, rot after that. I am assuming, um, and this is an assumption, and if it had to be clarified, um, please do, um, as a member of the Green Party and um, as a socialist, you want to have the um, health care system go further in terms of covering the citizens in this country. Single payer. All righty. Profit should not be in, in, in the basic services. Health care, housing, food, energy, electricity. That, that We just got to get real. I, I participated in, um, oh God, I've traveled so much. Oh goodness, I want to say Boston or Maine. They had uh, an open forum and they showed a film about fixing our healthcare system to fix. We just need single payer. The insurance companies are the one lobbying to, to block everything. We must change that. Within the first 100 days, I use every tool available to me through executive order to push a single payer. Mm. If that's shaming these insurance companies, showing how much money they're making and how much money we're losing, I do it. Because this is ridiculous that folks have to pick between 
health care and food? That that's unconscionable. Unconscionable. And remember just recently there was someone that they got on his case because he bought a pill that was initially seventy-five cent and he started charging three hundred dollars or some ridiculous amount of money. Mm -hmm. Like the internet. It was our government, our money that founded this. Why do we all have to pay some money for something we paid for? It don't make sense. Capitalism, if you really examine it, is really barbaric. Our tax dollars help finance the research for so many things, and then they turn around and sell it to me. And there's an African proverb, you don't let someone sell you back your tomatoes. That's what we keep allowing to happen because we're not educating ourselves on our government, our we the people government. You know, like in the beginning of the U.S., folks of color and the Native Americans whose land they stole weren't included in the Constitution. Our party, 30 years ago, I could say the same thing. These 10 key values and four pillars, they are beautiful and lovely, but we were not included. That's why I am the, probably the only candidate within our party talking about doctrine of discovery, talking about ending white privilege, talking about browning our party. It is so important that for the next 30 election cycles that the Green Party run people of color, women specifically, brown women, black women, red women, yellow women, so that we take up the leadership role because, again, by the end of this century, it will be a brown nation. Our party is majority European. We can't win no White House. We can't win no governorship. We can't win most uh, mayors because we don't reflect what our nation looks like. So I'm challenging our party to grow and change. There's a song I sing everywhere. I teach people, paint the White House green. So they wave their hand like you're painting. You mm -hmm. put the sign symbol up for a house uh, for the American Sign Language and you hold yourself green. We all need to be within that White House. I see everybody as a leader, and telling the truth is an act of love. Mary, you are loving folks by allowing the truth to come forth. Indeed, indeed. And whew, we're covering a lot. This is good, though. I, this is why we do these type of interviews and um, all of that um, good stuff. And I think it is very interesting you brought up the aspect of the Green Party and trying to have it be more inclusive because I you know, let's keep it very, very honest for our listeners and all, and our listeners are used to how we rock and roll with things anyway. Um, mm -hmm. I think some people look at Green Party like, okay, it's going to be a whole bunch of, part of my language, some hippie shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's, you know, people talking about Mother Earth, this, that, and the third, but what that got to do with me and my day-to-day -day in the street and how I'm going to eat and how I'm going to get sheltered and all of that. And I think when people can't get to the root basis of things, it's like, oh, okay, this tends to make a bit more sense but i think with a lot of parties especially because a lot of us are indoctrinated turn to thinking that a third party has no power that's the propaganda um mm -hmm. a lot yeah, of yeah. us get um things are looked at with a party like the green unless they actually unless people literally know somebody who's involved in the party that um looks like them talk like them etc as being like <laughs> oh well yeah that's cute but <laughs> who really cares you know yeah. and um 
you had mentioned earlier that you were involved had been involved with the Green Party for over the um past fourteen years. Yes. Um not just in terms of running I'm assuming for various offices, but with your feet on the ground. How do people right. respond when you try to get them into, you know, the Green Party? Like when you're doing like um various works and actions? Um, respectful. Go green, go green is my nickname. Go green, go green. <laughs> All right. Go green. But as a strategist, I knew it would take me doing exactly the steps I've taken for people to see that it can work. We got Cynthia McKinney. She ran against Ralph Nader, who I love, but we got her in. And so shout out to her since uh, we actually interviewed her in 2008. Yeah. So, you know, that, and that was a sister because she stepped off our ticket. And I started raising money within three days. She called me and left a message. You did this. Okay. Yeah. Because if our party, our party is not racist. They're not sexist. But there's 20% of nutcases in our party who don't understand that we must embrace folks of color for the next several decades so that we live and we live because they're going to become extinct if they keep running the same tired folks. <laughs> and that's real. The 80% of the Green Party people I meet are solid people. They have given me funds to run. They gave Cynthia McKinney funds to run. Oh, no, we real. By having Cynthia McKinney, and then she pulled in Rosa Clemente, that permanently let folks know around the world, we're open to black folks. We're open to brown folks. But it's now moving beyond that. And currently in our party, I see a problem, and I've voiced it openly. We have, I call it Jillery Gate. <laughs> uh, Dr. Stein, you're saying she was great. She was our um, 2002 presidential nominee, got 400,000 votes, decent. But she needs to sit down somewhere. This is the Black Lives Matter time. We need somewhere, not like a medical doctor, or not someone who's privilege to be able to represent so the majority of people who can't connect with the person who's in the leadership. Now that's a real thing and I'm saying it clearly. I started saying it like two weeks ago. More clear. But every party is going through a civil situation. Look at Bernie Sanders with Hillary Clinton. They're at odds. Now the Republicans done lost it. Mm -hmm. They done truly lost it. So within our party, we too are grappling with moving forward. There's some folks who think that she should be it. There's other folks who say no, because we got to have folks of color. So that's what, you know, needs to happen. So we as a nation wake up to what we need to do so that we can move forward. So, yeah, there's some tree huggers. There's some doctors. There's some lawyers. There's some sisters. There's some brothers. Viva La Raza is in. I've invited... Ten different folks of color to join me as vice presidential candidates. So the next time you got ten people ready to leave. All right. Trust me, will be that I'm ensuring that folks of color leave. All right, all right. And it's also awesome to do interviews like this because I get the most realist presidential candidates in the world. I've even had people that they're like, I don't agree with certain stuff that might have been said, but they're like they're so real i appreciate that instead of like everything being so scripted i mean i didn't expect to have an interview and have folks tell somebody to sit down somewhere now 
If, if, if that ain't some black business, I don't know what is. You know what I'm saying? Uh. That ain't somebody who you just sit down and just talking to and kicking it with. I yeah. don't know um, what I'm going on with that. Sure. And um, you could sit down and have some greens with me and cornbread any day. Hey, there we go. And um, also with up all that too, I'm I'm glad that you're bringing up some of this inner party type of stuff. And again, I don't want to. Well, people who know the show again, they already know the show. But there's a thing I think sometimes with various, I would just say, I guess, quote-unquote progressive movements, where some of the residue of mainstream America still gets carried on in terms of people being there, like, you're you're good, but you're only good for this particular position. Mm. You're, you're good to be this particular puzzle piece. And um, yeah. as a black American and our listeners heard me do a little rant on this during our last show, it gets really annoying <laughs> to yeah. have folks be there like, thank you for the chant, thank you for the work, you want a leadership position or you just want to be respected on a basic level, you sound real crazy. What I need you to do is go over there, <laughs> you know? So yeah. they, they, they there, I told you 20% of these folks are like that. And I think it's good to be brought up. Cause I think sometimes some folks will be there. Like I ascribe to progressive ideals, but they might not necessarily be doing that progressivism within their own selves or they're in yeah. their own um, micro community. So I appreciate that being brought up because I think sometimes when people talk about, at least from certain segments I roll in with from the internet and stuff, you'll have folks who will be there like, well, these white real liberals are crazy than somebody who's white will be there like, why y'all this is like, we're not dissing everybody who's white for one, calm down. And secondly, some folks within this thing still have race issues, still have patriarchal issues. You know what I'm saying? And that needs to be weeded out because that's a cancer while we got, you know, the virus of outside society that's a candidate that can still affect what we're trying to do on whatever yeah. level that you're on, you know? I'd like to share something else with you. Two things. Mm-hmm. Of five people here in my state of California who's named after a black woman that looks like you or I, Sister Mary, canceled a whole general assembly because I was going to be there. Mm. That's Illegally. Yeah, you know, but you, why are you the fear of a black sister? What's up with that? Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, un, just silliness, first of all, because my name is on the ballot in California, was always going to be there, because we're a national party, you know, again, states don't knock over a national party. We've made some commitment to do that, but they ranting and raised. But look at this. The same woman, Dr. Jill Stein, has never contacted me. I am so proud of Dr. William Kimmel, Dr. Kent Mesplay. Daryl Cheney and Katrisha. These are four people who have seeking the presidential nomination for our party. They wrote a letter and a petition, contacted me. I didn't have to eat Fannie Lou Hamer in my party. They did it. Hmm. Susan, a good friend, took up the lead and did it. Now, Ms. Dr. Jill Stein, she didn't show up because wasn't nobody going to be there. But she never signed the letter. She never contacted me. And then when we had a debate, I called her out because liberal media, uh, Democracy Now! and all these folks, she presents herself as the presidential candidate. She never says my name or anybody else's name. And she thinks that's appropriate. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was something I was pondering asking, actually, which is interesting that you brought it up. Because when... I sit down and um, I was going through everything and looking at various candidates and things besides um, 
doing the main reach out via the party i went through you know the site and i saw folks like yourself and other um candidates running but again it's it's a thing where it's like an exposure situation because the few times i've seen people on tv it has been dr stein so she presents herself and she she uses her white female privilege that is disgusting you have to we we have what's a pillar called grassroots democracy Mm -hmm. and you are not using grassroots democracy if you don't present yourself as a national person if you've noticed i'll say everybody's name and if you saw my facebook post i use our picture we you only got four hundred thousand votes sis you gotta you you need everybody Mm -hmm. but you know that's that mentality that elitist i'm calling her jillary like hillary Mm -hmm. you know bernie been pretty smart about how he's getting but they're misusing him because they got that you know corporate mentality which she embraces too and this is the first time i've gone full throttle because we black folk we know what they do we know how they are so she just went and wrote a letter to Bernie Sanders about being his vice presidential candidate. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, you know, that's like a self-interest thing. I, again, I, I have to give props to my Green Party folks at 80% because they have helped fund my campaign. They are voting for me and rewarding me for speaking the truth. So, again, 80% of the folks in this party are solid. I don't know if I could say that about the Democratic Party. They're at civil war right now. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I am so proud of Bernie Sanders for running, not taking corporate money. Don't agree with him on the Israel, the war, mm-hmm. you know, those things that as a, you know, a, a socialist, a real socialist, not a democratic socialist, but a solid socialist, I don't see eye to eye with him. But let's hope his work is going to start the revolution. I'm more in line with Gloria Lariva from Peace and Freedom, Dr. Monica Moorhead, also from the Workers' Party, and Dr. Lynn Kahn. I'm a socialist. I want a total revamping of this crazy system. And whatever I need to say and do in truth, I will do that. I have no fear. No fear. And we definitely hear that through this interview. And again, I love doing this because I hear so much passion and honesty with everybody who's running and what they want to do, not just with the candidate position, but what they want to do afterwards yes. in terms of um, going ahead and um, changing the system for the better for everyone. Now, yes. speaking of that, and I'm pretty sure this has been occurring. Um, have you been touring around different parts of the U.S. and talking about um, your candidacy? How has that been going? Wonderful. Uh, we've done two 40-day road trips. We've been able to visit... 15 states will be visiting somewhere. I'll be leaving on the 2nd to go to Virginia for a debate. I'll also be going to RT uh, in Washington. They'll be doing another debate. And then swinging around, visiting some other states. It's been going well. That's what I'm telling you that folks give money, support me. I have delegates. It's been going great. And even folks, y'all might walk in a room and you see Jill Stein buttons and by the, you know, because I ask, I dialogue, I ask three questions. What made you become a green? How long, you, you know, what you think we need to do to change and how you going to commit to do that? 
and we have dialogue and discussion about how to do that. Then I share some of the best practices I've used and I've learned over these 14 years. Then I also, if there's candidates running, I do candidate training. I'm a strategist. For example, there's a sister in um, Detroit, Michigan, who's seeking a Green Party office. Mm-hmm. Nice. She's a police, a former police officer. But, you know, old, some of our older black women, not so huggy, lovey kind of people. Mm-hmm. So I help her authentically be able to reach and show her passion. An older brother in the same state, he wanted to do something different, and I had to say, no, you, you know, let's try this, this, and that. So that's the good thing. I've done PR for many years. So with public affairs and public relations, public relations, you know how to authentically ensure that whoever you're helping comes across, not some paper cutter, cookie cutter stuff. And we can do, I can do that, and I've been doing it, you know, for the last seven months, and we'll continue to do that mm-hmm. uh, up until the August presidential nominating committee okay. that we have in Houston. Okay, yeah, because that was going to be my next question. There's a bunch of y'all in the mix right now. So at this, um, so it's pretty much like how people would look at um, the other parties. There's the, there's the um, convention and everybody decides who's going to be the um, standard bearer from there. Right. Okay, okay. And um, with that, is this a, because I think a lot of people don't know necessarily how this works and it just looks like a huge, again, part of my language, like a huge clusterfuck when you look at this thing on TV, you know, like they break all this type of stuff down with conventions. Um, yeah. With this um, particular scenario, is it pretty much like the same, the way they described it in terms of people from various parts of the Green Party all come together and you had to go through like caucus type of mess or anything or it's just a straight up vote or... Right now, again, I have to just base what I know as I've been a Green for 14 years. We have primary caucuses and gatherings. Not every state. We're only in 21 states. We only have ballot lines. So there's some states where only you can use one person to be on the ballot. My state, California, all of us are listed. So our Green Party will be able to get it. In the past, we've had seven. In the past month, we've had seven states that have got cotton together after a primary and then caucus. And then I've won some caucuses. Like, I won the Bennington caucus. You know, they all voted for me. That yeah. is different. So there's, we have each, there's 200 delegates that will decide who the nominee will be. Like you said standard bearer. In Ghana, we say flag bearer. So when we meet, we'll pull together those and then they have a vote. And if you don't come out clear, you know, 51, 50 plus one, then you go another round. So, mm-hmm. you know, just the same kind of mathematical formula. Ours is a little iffy right now because every state doesn't have an active Green Party. I read somewhere by the end of August, or no, I'm sorry, July, that we might have 45 ballot lines. But I've contacted the ballot access people. They've not been very good about coming back with me. But I'm hiring a consultant to help me work all that out. So we go in there really clear about what's supposed to happen and not happen. It might be contested, sis. <laughs> wow. Okay. See, again, this is why I like doing this. You, you learn a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily get to, to grasp a hold of sometimes looking on the website or whatever else. But let's transition into that. For people who are listening to this interview and they're like, 
this sounds really, really good. I want to see more about what Sudanam's about and the Green Party right. and how to make moves in general, not just, you know, again, for the election cycle, but above and beyond, because this is a continuous process. And I think sometimes right. the way people promote the current system here, that gets um, forgotten. How can people um, check you out on the web, like Facebook, Twitter, main website, all that good type of stuff? If you type my initials, S-K-T-M, last name Curry, like the spice, C-U-R-R-Y, you will see several sites on the web and my uh, Facebook. We, Because I'm a strategist, I'm very clear. Most people don't understand transmedia. So our focus was getting X number of people to like and be interactive with me on our my public figure page. We have reached that goal. We okay. set a little higher goal so that when you move from our Twitter, Facebook, onto our website, you are an active engager. But if you don't want to be an active engager, because again, we I'm, I'm running for the Green Party. I've not gotten our nomination. So even though I do a lot of outreach to non-Greens, I must be honest, I have to focus on Greens right now to mm-hmm. win the nomination. So you are welcome to type my name, F, my initials, S-K-E-M, last name Curry, and in Google, our Bing, and you will see there's so many things you can click onto and then join my public figure page. And then if you decide, you know, to be a Green Party member, gp.org, you can sign up there. But I, my posts get shared more than any other candidate. I am a prolific reader. So any good book, any good article, you will see it and share. You, you'll love my page. I'm, I'm, I have a very broad uh, reading, reading and connection because I believe in humanity. I believe in humanity. So you'll see that reflective on my page, my personal page as well as my, which is public. Everything's public. Public. I'm very transparent. I ain't got nothing to hide. <laughs> so you'll see that there. Okay, okay. So you know you don't you're dealing with a real human being. Yeah. yeah I know, you know, sometimes people look at these pages and they're like, Oh, there's the intern or whatever else. <laughs> I, I respond directly to each person. I don't play that. I I cannot afford not to have people know me, understand me, and expand my vision. People ask questions, if I can answer it immediately, if if not, I'll give them a cut and paste that I've already done. But if there's something more specific, then I'll, you know, I'll get to it and refer to an article that could help them have a better understanding. But again, I've been here 14 years and I have run as a vice presidential candidate and I was Cynthia McKinney's campaign manager. So I come, you know, pretty tech savvy with doing some things. And my, the platform is very simple. I wanted to say that based on discussions with Green and other folks, there's two other initiatives we've added. One is joining, there's more than one Green Party here in the U.S. So we're working to join those who are outside, who are Greens, but not a part of the U.S. Greens, together. Okay. And that's for some Green people, but not for me, because we can't even have a splinter party. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second initiative is doing a national united coalition of all independent and third-party candidates. I'm working to do that. If you, you know, I working on the female, all female presidential debate, as well as 
participating in debates with other independents. So I am about building a nation that's built, built on honesty, transparency, and ensuring child children are ready and able to take the lead. All right. So y'all heard quite a bit with um, this interview. And um, again, definitely thank you very much for this. Um, we covered base on so many things. And again, just were able to hear some very, very honest talk, which is missing in a lot of our political discourse, period. I think regardless of the party you affiliate with, you can agree with that, you know. Like, yeah. nobody wants to hear a whole bunch of whack pandering 24 7 365 and you're just like they're like you're not even pandering to me well you know what i'm saying like playing the prince song walking on stage ain't gonna make me vote for you doing the name ain't gonna make me vote for you having a rapper next to you ain't gonna make me vote for you you know what i'm saying like my vote counter y'all know my vote count but you know talk to me like a human being and with these interviews i appreciate that you know it's, it's just human to human just trying to make that connection and I know, again, with our listeners, some people have agreed with a lot of folks we've interviewed, some people have disagreed, but it's all been a very much a thank you for letting me know that this is out there and this exists. And again, as our first Green Party presidential candidate we've interviewed this year, and it's funny that everything goes in a cycle, since um, as I said before, we interviewed Cynthia McKinney back in 08. So it's like, huh, so everything's connected. Yeah, I wanted to ask, will people be able to ask me questions while I'm here? Um, unfortunately, not at the present and, um, all of that. However, with our show notes, especially with, um, the podcast and everything, um, we put in all of the information in terms of how people can reach out to you okay. if they have questions, concerns, and things. And we always, um, do the hardcore promotion. And, um, for those who may be new, since we have gotten a lot of new listeners with these, um, political segments, you can check us out in plenty of ways via the podcast means you can go through various sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Audio Search, Satcher on Podcast Player, Player FM, and more. We just started getting covered literally two days ago by Google Play Music. So if wow. you got that, y'all can go ahead and um, check yeah. us out on that too. And of course, um, we always have our show notes and everything on our official blog site, blackradioisback.com. And if y'all can't remember any of this stuff, our website is fuseboxradio.com or just search for Fusebox Radio by your favorite search engine of choice. Um, you know, whether it's Google, um, Tor, search agent, etc. You type in Fusebox Radio, our pretty logo shows up in a whole bunch of listings. So one way or the other, you'll be able to um, access this show for the present and the future. And through um, blackradioisback.com and check out all of our various affiliates that carry the Fusebox Radio broadcast as well. And, um, of course, by our social media, almost all of it is Fusebox Radio, except one, which is Facebook.com slash Fusebox Radio Show, one straight word. Facebook.com slash Fusebox Radio goes to my page, and as long as you aren't crazy or foolish, yeah, I probably will add you on. But if you act crazy, people know I will boot you immediately. I will block you. If you act too crazy, I will tell other people to not add you on because... <laughs> I'm just at that stage of life in my 30s. I don't really have a big tolerance for nonsense. And yeah, y'all will definitely be seeing this audio active via the podcast way within the next um, day or two. And um, as we always say, you don't got to love or agree with everything that you hear in our interviews and stuff, but we want to be able 
to spark thought, to spark conversation, as various great folks have done in independent media at large, much less um, black independent media at right large. On. Because you're not, unfortunately, going to hear these various folks, you know, via a lot of our corporatized um, mainstream media here in the States. Y'all see how CNN and Fox and them do. It's we, we hope to get some sane people on there to talk about different stuff, but it's probably not going to happen for a little bit. So y'all got to spread the word of this show and others who are doing um, their thing so they can um, try to bite like they do regularly and eventually bring on some good folks because we were the first ones who did it. So you know, let's um, go on ahead and um, get that rocking and rolling. So again, thank you very much for your interview. Um, we're going to have all of our notes and... Um, podcast uploads and everything up to folks soon and distribute this to our various outlets and this is the syndicated worldwide fuse box radio broadcast with our 2016 presidential candidate interview sessions bringing the best of black radio to the masses bringing the balance back to black radio with that dope mix of music talk and more all right peace you can listen to the Fusebox radio broadcast via iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podcast Addict, and your other favorite podcast players. Check out the Fusebox radio's official website for our latest episodes, events, and more at FuseboxRadioOnline.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fusebox Radio Show, Twitter at Twitter.com slash Fusebox Radio and Instagram at Instagram.com slash Fusebox Radio. Feel free to contact us at FuseboxRadio at gmail.com to submit music for airplay consideration 